You are listening to the PYD Lab, the podcast for implementers and young leaders who want to examine innovative approaches to positive youth development and hear stories of young people leading change in their communities. This podcast is made possible by the support of the American people through the United States Agency for International Development, or USAID. The content and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of USAID or the United States government. Hey, it's Natasha, and you're in the PYD Lab. This episode, we're chatting with Colin Van Buren and Johann Sebastian Chavez Mosquera. Colin is an organismal zoologist and current AAAS Science and Technology Policy Executive Branch Fellow based in the Bureau for Resilience and Food Security at USAID. Johan is CEO of BFLY. He's also an agro-industrial engineering student at the University of Kaka, a Youth Ag Summit alumni, and a youth ambassador for Youth Lead. Now he's part of the 2022-2023 cohort. Let's go inside when we'll have a conversation about food waste, loss, and sustainability. Colin, Johan, welcome. Hello, nice to be here. Hi, good morning, everyone. Thank you both so much for joining us today in the PYD Lab. This is an interesting and important conversation. Just in doing a little research and bringing you guys on, I've been learning a ton. Could you both just start off by telling me a little bit about the work that you're doing around food loss and waste? Colin, feel free to kick it off and talk a little bit about your work over at USAID. Sure. Yeah. So I currently am working at the U.S. Agency for International Development in our Bureau for Resilience and Food Security. And so the work that I've been involved with is really in the international development space. So as we you know, are facing this global food security crisis, USAID's really been working to help countries. And it's because we recognize the importance of things like research, development, and uptake of and management practices to reduce food loss and waste um, and really spur innovation in things like a circular economy approach to food waste. We're working to create the rigorous evidence base required to support policies and strategies to make our food system sustainable and resilient. I'll give you a couple examples. So first, at the UN Food Systems Summit, the state announced its commitment to addressing food loss and waste through data and evidence-driven approaches, including investing um, $60 million over five years in new research awards that are contributing critical solutions to reduce food loss and waste. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so it included support to innovation labs that are part of the Feed the Future initiative, the US government's global hunger and food security initiative that's led by USAID to tackle some of the world's greatest challenges in agriculture and food security. So as one example of this work in the food loss and waste space, the Post-Harvest Loss Reduction Innovation Lab, which is at Kansas State University, has tested, piloted, and is now scaling innovations to reduce loss and waste in Ghana to produce technologies that will thoroughly dry and safely store grain for future use. And technologies like these are really critical because more than 750,000 metric tons of maize are lost each year across the country to rot and disease that could otherwise be sold to markets or even eaten at home. And to contextualize what 750,000 metric tons of maize means, the equivalent uh, is about 25 kilograms of maize or about 55 pounds lost for every single person in Ghana, considering household nutrition and resources that went into producing it. So beyond the obvious food security issue, this loss also exacerbates another problem as it contributes to over half a million metric tons of greenhouse gases associated with the production of maize that is lost after harvest. We have other examples, of course, too, but that's just a, a bit of an overview of all the work that USAID is doing and that I get to be a part of. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. Johan, you want to hop in and tell us about what you're doing over at BFLY? 
Yes, uh, calling that is an amazing work that, that you made. And uh, here, for my part, uh, I work in Bfly as a CEO. Bfly is a startup that promotes the concept of circular economy. We transform the organic waste into animal feed with the help of an insect. That we do is that we manage organic waste from cities, preventing it from ending up in landfills. In our process, we are dedicated to the breeding of an insect kale, the black butterfly, and little insect native from South America with amazing advantages in the circular economy. This insect in the larvae stage is able to feed on organic waste streams. And in only two weeks, we harvest this larvae, process them, and grind them to have our product. Our product is an insect meal rich in protein, ideal for pigs, poultry, fish, and even for pets. And about our impact and progress in the last year, in 2021, we participated in the Youth Action Meet organized by Bayer CropScience, participating with another 100 ideas from young people around the world uh, looking to end the world hunger. Uh, and at the end of the event in 2022, BeFly reached the 12 finalists of the program. That was amazing for us, and we gained a lot of visibility. And from there, we have continued working to grow as a project and generate impact in our region. Now we are participating in more activities, competition, and incubators of ideas to grow, to have a bigger impact in our region. Connecting this project with the Guresia Group from the University of Cauca to make more projects to our region. And now we, are, we have raised an important capital and we hope to, in the coming months, uh, the construction of the plan to make that impact real in our community. That is really interesting. So. Could you explain a little bit about how you use the insect to transform organic waste into food? Yes, uh, this insect or the most of the insects are related to our economy. This in especial, the black sort of fly has, uh, has the stage of the larvae that the larvae is very tiny at the beginning and the larvae have a big appetite for the organic waste streams. So, in some trays with organic waste. So in just two weeks, the, the larvae grow bigger and is rich in protein. So we harvest the larvae, the, we dry it, the larvae and we grind the larvae. So we have the insect meal, that is meal of larvae that is very rich in protein. That is a simple process, but in the, in the farming, it's very, very amazing to see this insect feed on organic waste, reduce the, the amounts of organic waste and transform this in, in protein. Oh, wow. In order to grow something like that, do you then, are you encouraging businesses to buy from you? Like who has to do the process? You'll do it for other companies or you're teaching them how to do that? This is an idea for, for a team and we are working in this project to make it real in the, in, to construct a plan to process uh, tons of organic waste per day. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, for the other hand, we have the, the ability to, to teach this to small farmers, to rural small farmers, mm -hmm. to be able to, to grow this insect in their farm with the organic waste from their farms. Uh, so they are going to be able to, to produce their own feed. So that is, that is the way, but we are a company I love hearing about all the great innovations that are happening with insects. My background is actually as a zoologist before getting into this work. So there's a you know special place in my heart for an idea that animals have a solution to some of our biggest problems. So that all sounds great, Sean. It's really interesting to hear about the work that you're doing. That is so cool. How did you, and Colin, I'm going to extend this to you as well. How did you get involved in this work? 
I got into this work broadly. I, th I think, you know, like many younger people, I've known about the impacts of food loss and waste for a while, been sort of an environmental tree hugger for most of my life. <laughs> and so, yeah, the, the impacts of food loss and waste, yeah, were, were something I was at least aware of, I would say. And so now I've been working at the agency as a youth advisor in the Bureau for Resilience and Food Security. And food loss and waste is, as I've been mentioning at the beginning, is really something the agency is committing to addressing. And ideally in partnership with young people like Juan and others around the world who are kind of coming up with these innovations and really leading the change. Um, so that's been really, really great to see. So every time we get to hear these exciting stories of the work that's actually happening on the ground, it's sort of like a little gas in the engine to keep it going. For sure. What about you, Johan? How'd you get involved in food sustainability? Yes, uh, I was introducing this war about food sustainability and prevent food, food waste because I work on a social network site uh, to spread ideas and projects with agriculture and related to the peace process in Colombia. In, so in 2020, we made a, a post about uh, an event led by the National University. This event was scale Insect for Pits. It was a project about a work with combatants during the post-conflict and rural population after the peace agreement in Colombia. So this project, they use this insect kale, the black star fly, with good benefits for the community and the environment. And was impressed in that moment with the social and environmental potential of this small insect. Considering the context of my region, my department, uh, here also the food security and agriculture had been affected by the conflict. I say that this insects has the potential to be implemented here. So mm -hmm. I started to investigate, to form a team, to look for this insect. And just this insect also occurs in, in our area, starting to rear the, the insects here in the farm. And now uh, growing visibility and developing our business model by the time. So uh, that is the way we introduce in, in all these topics about uh, food waste, organic waste problems, food insecurity problems. And also I am passionate by entomology and, and I think that the insect has a big potential for, for, for all the or, or bigger problems. Right. So. Well, what are some things that we're all doing to contribute to everyday food loss and waste? Well, I, I think the, that the food waste have a lot of reasons. I think that food is lost or wasted by the bad weather, processing problems, overproduction. They, they use before a race in the market. Uh, I think we as uh, humans, we, we made overbuying, poor planning, and confusion on the levels. That is the, that contribute to food waste in uh, the market and in the you know, homes. But also these all problems, the generation and margin of food waste is a problem that affects us all, especially the vulnerable communities, because we are wasting the food that we didn't even eat and considering that millions of people suffer of hunger. That is very worrying for me. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a challenge. So it, I, I would say it also depends a little bit on where you're uh, thinking about. So if we zoom out to the global level, our re most recent statistics show that about 30 to 40% of all food is lost, which is where it never makes it to consumers. The other part is when it's wasted or when it's thrown out. And this combination contributes between eight to 10% of all greenhouse gas emissions around the world. So you get from a food security angle or a climate change angle, it's a pretty big problem. You know, it's, it's uh -huh. no small contributor to some of our, our big problems around the world, but there's a lot 
more of waste in sort of Western or richer countries, um, while there's a lot more loss that we see in lower income countries. So for example, about 50% of bananas are quote unquote lost uh, in transport from farm to market in Kenya. And so in these lower income countries, the high rates of food loss are like Sean was just saying, often due to things like pests or challenges harvesting crops or extreme weather, um, inadequate storage facilities and infrastructure. And so it's almost less about individual action or behavior change, but more about providing resources to those producers experiencing high rates of food loss to de decrease that loss and as a result, increase their profits and improve their food security. So these win-win sort of benefits. Individuals, we have more control over food waste. So trying not to let things in your house or kitchen spoil before you use them, trying to shop only for what you need, eat leftovers. But when food waste can't be avoided, it's better if it can be reused as composting, uh, insect feed as Jean is doing, or biofuel instead of just going to a landfill. Not everyone has access to these alternative waste disposal options, however. So another thing that we have to be thinking about is how to make sure that people have access to options and knowledge to address um, food loss and waste. Yeah, I've been learning so much about food loss and waste and some interesting stuff that I just didn't know much about. But just little things like easy access to, to fresh food that you kind of take for granted, I guess. Yeah, not everyone, not everyone in the world has that. You know, we think about 30 to 40 percent of food globally being wasted. And we're also faced with a, a challenge where there's this level of food insecurity. Right, right. Yeah. And, and I want to just circle back to something that you guys were talking about before with Johan's work with bee fly and then Colin, you being a zoologist. Could you explain a little bit about the correlation between the environment and animals and food security? Yes, uh, here in Colombia, I have to say that there are worrying numbers related to food security and the environment and related to the food production and food acquisition that are numbers that we must to be taking into account in order to take appropriate measures to address the hunger in Colombia and also the, the environmental problems. For one hand, uh, first, uh, producing food in, in, and in the agriculture and livestock in Colombia is becoming difficult and expected, especially affecting small pig and poultry producers because they need to reduce high production costs. The high production costs are related to animal feed inputs, such as grains or, or, or meals. Are here in Colombia, uh, around 90% of these inputs are imported and their prices have varied a lot over time. In the last year, they have some more than doubled with discourages small farmers. Even with current world news, this dependence of imported inputs can restrict the production of animal protein. And second, uh, all this generates inflation in basic products such as meat and eggs affecting the consumer, especially the low-income consumer. Uh, here in Colombia, 42% uh, of the population live below the poverty line, but mm -hmm. 21 million Colombians cannot feed uh, themselves adequately uh, during the day. And just uh, this, this situation is, is more worrying in, in rural areas or on areas farmed from human centers, where we have even case of malnutrition in children and we need to change this. And also, for the other hand, the, the environmental problems that it's very worrying that uh, how, we, how we access the food and how worrying is because we are wa we're wasting that one tier of the, of the food. Because here in Colombia, in numbers, uh, every year we generate 
uh, more, more than 8 million tons of organic waste per, per year. That is more than 20,000 organic waste per day ending up in landfills uh, related to food waste, food processing, um, uh, a lot of, of reason. But it's resolved this, this question. Can we imagine the potential of using this organic waste in your conversion or combusting process or to take advantages of this problem? that uh, we, we are going to be continue generating waste uh, because the population is growing. We have to figure out, out how to use it. Yeah, I really like thinking about the intersection of the environment, including animals and food security, because uh, well, first of all, as Joan was basically explaining, all of our food comes from animals, plants, and fungi, which originally all find their homes in the environment, whether it's the natural environment or the ones that we shape through agriculture. Um, you know, we think of sort of an agricultural field as being separate from the environment, but we're still using soil and the sun and water and it's outside usually. So, you know, it's still part of the environment. And the sustainability of food security investments does depend on improved management and governance of natural resources within and beyond agricultural systems, including land and water resources that support the terrestrial and freshwater and marine production systems. Because um, let's not forget that people also get their food from not just the land, but also the water. Okay. Um, so yeah, among among the many benefits of nat that natural ecosystems provide are their support for soil formation and conservation, pollination provided by insects and other animals, pest suppression, flood water storage, improved water quality and quantity, um, and habitats for micronutrient rich wild foods that some communities around the world depend on. So conversely, though. Uh, agricultural expansion is still one of the biggest threats to global biodiversity and a lot of agricultural practices use a lot of water. The practices unfortunately degrade soils and can harm ecosystems through runoff of pesticides and fertilizers. So in the terrestrial context, uh, land degradation has reduced agricultural productivity across nearly a quarter of the global terrestrial area and pollinator loss puts uh, at risk between 235 billion and 577 billion dollars in annual global crop outputs. Those are huge numbers yeah. that we could see lost because of the declines of pollinator species. So the environment, including animals and food security, I think are inextricably linked. And we know as our environment degrades, so does food security. So how does climate change affect our food? I would say it affects it differently depending on where you are. Uh, and John, please feel free to chime in on this and any experiences you have, but it's anything from droughts to floods. And, you know, I can give you sort of a more personal experience from, uh, so I'm from rural Illinois, like, yeah. and um, I know that farmers even there have experienced years when there hasn't been very much rain at all. And so the crops have suffered. And then the next year their fields will be flooded weather variability is linked to climate change. Um, we also see this happen with increased tropical storms that uh, will destroy fields. This happened in 2020 in Guatemala when the country got hit by the two hurricanes. Mm -hmm. um, we see droughts that are currently affecting the Horn of Africa. And there's a almost uh, innumerable ways, I would say that climate change can, can affect food security, but it also varies so much based on you know, the landscape, um, geography, the sort of management practices that are in place and a whole suite of factors. So it's hard to say like, this is the one way that climate change affects mm -hmm. uh, food security because it is so variable, but um, 
yeah, it's, it's very local and context dependent in a lot of cases. Yes, uh, that is very, uh, I would say is, when I say this events of the climate change, uh, the contamination, I am very worried because I think we don't have enough time to, to correct this because it's affecting us and especially the, the community most vulnerable is the, the communities in the rural areas. Also, this is worrying, these events, but also I, I feel I'm very motivated because I see uh, another people working in, in food waste and taking mm -hmm. climate action like calling and uh, just Natasha mentioned it. There are very uh, amazing projects around the world that are addressing the, these problems, and that is very motivating. And with the, with that idea at the, at the end of this conversation, good. And and I definitely want to take the conversation there because I, I like to end on actionable items, right? And and Johan, I'd love to have you kick it off. Um, you're a young change maker. You're very involved with Youth Lead. What are some things that youth can do to lead food waste and sustainability actions, you know, as a source of change in their communities? Well, I believe very strong in this, in this sentence that is the future of food system belongs to the young people because young people have time to try and try and try different solutions. What we can do is come together, uh, exchange information, support each other, complement ideas and projects related to agriculture and circular economy and more. And by interacting with, with young people from different roles and activities, this is generating space of truth, generating formation of teams that we need to refine the, the idea, different visions. And then for that, we can present our solution to a large audience who will be ready to listen to us. In the future, there are going new, new solutions to food waste and the environmental. Uh, we are going to be impressed for, for these new solutions that are coming. Yeah, and Juan, just to say, I love that that sentiment because I think all the time, uh, as a, especially as a youth advisor and also someone who's still relatively young, I love that sentiment that youth are the future because I think the question about what youth can do I like to think about what they're already doing, because as Juan's kind of demonstrating here, youth are already involved around the world in this issue. So young activists and entrepreneurs transforming food loss and waste in their communities and beyond. And I can give you a couple of examples of this that I think are really interesting and exciting. So Bangladesh, where youth organizations are involved uh, with an ICT information communications technology, tech-based recycling business called Garbage Man, where they sort organic and non-organic waste and then create fertilizer from the organic waste to again tackle this issue. So I think overall we see examples from around the world of young people taking action, demonstrating how with a little reliable support, young people can make the big differences in their community and for the planet. So I'd say, you know, for the youth out there, Look for others in your community who might already be engaged in this work. And if you don't see anyone engaged, look for people with similar ideas and complementary skills to start a food loss and waste business or nonprofit or other entity, whichever you know is most appropriate for you and your community. Thank you. I love that. And Colin, I'd love to hear from you for any tips that you may have for implementers like yourself who are working with youth. On the implementer side, I would say I think we need to trust youth a little bit more and put a little bit more of our resources to supporting them. You know, youth, of course, are always heralded as sort of the, the ones who will save our future, right? But they can't do it alone because we also know from, from research and practice that there are a lot of barriers uh, that come with being a young person, haven't 
had enough time to sort of build the capital to get finance. Maybe you might not own land. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of challenges that most people face around the world in sort of starting up a new life. And the degree of this challenge can be bigger or smaller, of course, depending on where you're from. But it's not enough to sort of just say, you know, we think youth of the future, we need to actually, you know, a little bit put our money where our mouth is and make sure that yeah. we're supporting them. Yeah, and that's such an important point to make. You know, you can have all the passion, you can have all the dreams, you can even have some really, really valid ideas, but unless you have the funding to actually implement the idea, it still just remains to, to be an idea. So pay it forward and go back and help fund and, and support young people like Johan and their and their ideas with things like, you know, BY and stuff like that. They need the funding to actually grow these things and scale them. So thank you so much for making that point. Before we go, this is my favorite part of the show. We ask you about your PYD recommendations. P stands for published. It's a a published reading source that you recommend on a youth development related topic. It could be a book, an article, a report. Y stands for youth, and it's a resource or project that you know of that's been authored or led by a young leader that you want others to know about. And D stands for disrupt, a disruptive innovative idea, could be a project or resource that does or will tackle a youth-related challenge. Colin, are you open to sharing some PYD recommendations that you have for us? Yeah, of course. You know, USAID, we've just started a podcast on food loss and waste. And so I thought that would be a great resource because the podcast series goes through the evidence about food loss and waste and actions that are being taken to address the issue. It's still in development with new episodes coming out every month. And one of the upcoming ones will feature youth experts on food loss and waste and hear more about the great actions that youth are doing around the world and use it as an opportunity to share with others who are learning more about this issue through the podcast. So over at youthpower.org backslash PYD lab, we'll uh, include the contact information to learn a little bit more about the food waste and loss podcast that Colin is referring to. So take us into your youth related resource. There's an article about how the Feed the Future Innovation Labs are supporting youth entrepreneurs around the world. And one that tells a story of a young man named Isaac Sessi who's an entrepreneur from Ghana, who's been partnering with our innovation lab for the reduction of post-harvest loss. There's this product called Green Meter that was developed in the U.S., but Isaac, you know, broke it apart, worked on it, and developed an app that would allow it to be used more broadly, and is starting up a great new regional business to have this technology be used more widely uh, in Ghana and nearby. Oh, awesome. We love Feed the Future. Johan, what do you have for D, Disrupt? And for me, I have a platform called the NextGen Act Impact Network, NGAN, that is a global network by young people related to agriculture uh, because they, they are related to the compromise to, to identify and strong uh, agriculture leaders. The, the, the goal from this platform is empower young people in the agriculture and the platform you are going to find programs, events, competition and a community from young people around the world to unlock resources. I take these resources because I know the, the person that are behind this, this platform to make like a voice for, for the young people in the, in the, in the agriculture to, to empower them. And this is just was a launch the, the last year. And I think this, this platform is going to, to grow. I, I invite you to, to seek this platform. 
Awesome. Thank you so, so much. I, I love platforms that continue to bring, you know, like-minded young people together. Johan, Colin, thank you so, so much for joining us today in the PYD Lab. I love the conversation. Thank you so much for educating us more on food loss and waste and sustainability. I just wish you both continued success in the important work that you're doing. Yeah, it was a pleasure to have this conversation. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for another successful episode of the PYD Lab. Before we go, you know we have to close out the episode with our three recommendations. USAID's Youth and Agri-Food Systems Learning Activity hosted a four-part virtual dialogue series titled Exploring the Evidence, Youth and Agri-Food Systems. The series engages diverse stakeholders to advance learning and foster interactions across stakeholder communities focused on supporting effective youth engagement in food systems. Watch all four videos over at youthpower.org. Next is a how-to article on reducing food waste at home. From learning how to properly prep and store food to creatively using what you have for ingredients, this article will open your eyes to just how much we could all make better use of our food and our kitchens. Our third recommendation this episode is the role of sustainable consumption and production starter kit. This kit contains resources on how young change makers can learn about sustainable consumption and production practices and transform their communities and the world. Packed with webinars, reports, and activities, this starter kit is inspiration on how to take action to adopt more sustainable consumption and production practices and help the planet. Access all of these resources and more at youthpower.org backslash PYD lab. Until next time, I'm Natasha and you've been in the PYD lab.